The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. It's good to see all of you. I do want to make a couple other announcements um, that uh, were not on the video. Just real quickly, one: uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you're in, if if you're re- feel inclined whatsoever to be a part of the the kids ministry, um, Molly does a great job, man, down there, and every week. For the most part, she's down there um, sacrificing and serving the kids. And so I know that sometimes for some of you guys, you might think, well, man, you know, I, I don't want to miss upstairs. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people don't. So uh, just think about that. And if the Lord is, is calling you, maybe you could give up a week uh, to be a part of that. But I bring it up because um, she's having a meeting today with many of the workers. And I think if you're interested, you can just show up, right? Yeah. So um, and there's lunch, right? And you can't show up if you just want to eat, bro. Hey. Man. hey. <laughs> uh, and uh, so the second thing is, is we do have, uh, we, we, uh, because of the generosity of someone, we have some sound treatment to put in the lobby. And it's kind of a busy season around here. So if there are a few guys who would be willing to hang these panels, um, they'll be laid out for you. Corey's got a design. He'll put it together. And so if, if you're interested in being a, a part of a team and sort of just taking that on and, and being working with a couple other guys and you'd like to be a part of that, just see me after service. I'll take your name down. We'll give you the instructions. It's not a real uh, difficult thing to do, but it would help, um, help us tremendously if you could, um, somebody's feeling called to do that. Amen, Dan? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, it, it's, it's good to be here, good, good to be back in the Word. Had a great time at the Bow Bash um, yesterday. That was a lot of fun. Connected with a lot of uh, new, new folks and enjoyed ourselves. And, and uh, Brittany and, and Rick certainly are glad they went to the Bow Bash. <laughs> of all people to win the grand prize that goes for hunting, Rick won it. <laughs> And walked out of there, man. He had a group of captive hunters on site. And I said, hey, man, you want to sell that? You could probably sell it right here, right now. And he sold that thing for 500 bucks, man. Can you believe that? Good for Rick. Make sure you pay your tithe, Rick. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, it's good to be uh, back in the house of the Lord. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 14. We'll jump in. Continue learning about uh, the kingdom, how it moves, and some things to help us along in our journey. You know, clarity is really, really important, um, right? So I, I wear uh, contacts, and my vision has been good all my life. And uh, up until about, I guess I can't say that anymore, so about 10 years ago, um, it started, it just starts to go. You know, your muscles can't focus in your eyes like they used to. They don't work as well. And so I... Um, you know, at first it starts where you just need some readers, and then it gets, it, for me, it's just continued to progress and get worse. And so I have uh, contacts, and now they have these contacts that are multifocal. Um, so they're sort of, I mean, they're bifocal contacts. And they're pretty cool because you can see, like in here, I can see great. Um, I can see, Brittany, you're enjoying that donut right now. <laughs> and, and I can see up, up close, okay? But if I go outside with these on, and I look beyond, you know, about 30 yards, probably 40 yards, things get a little blurry on me. <clears throat> so I have another prescription so that when I'm outdoors doing activities, um, like, like shooting my bow or something like that, 
I can see at greater distance. So I can see way, like it's almost like my, di- my, my vision is better than it, than it was even before I had problems. I can just see clearly uh, way out. But if I need to read my phone or something, it's a little bit more of a struggle. I can't see uh, that as well. And so that's because um, the, there, there's, I'm living under the fall, you know, ordinarily, um, the way God designed us, I wouldn't have those things happening to me. But because of the fall and age and, and th- life becomes a struggle. So my body begins to fail me the longer that I'm on the planet, just like the Lord said it would be because a curse came over the world. So I'm using um, these, these, this objective, um, something outside of myself to correct my vision and give me clarity so that I can function normally. Um, so applying something outside of ourselves to bring clarity to a faulty situation is something that has to happen in the kingdom often. Because the truth or the word of God, what it does that to correct faulty emotions. Okay? So we're created with emotions, and emotions are good. Like emotions, they, they help us to feel, um, you know, uh, the, the different experiences when we are happy and joyful, uh, when we're sad, and when we experience pain. Like, man, <laughs> I, can, can y'all tell, like, I've been in a lot better mood the last month? Has that been obvious? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 Dude, people, <laughs> it's my knee, man. Like, it's just better. And I mean, I was up on my, on my feet all day yesterday. And my knee never did start hurting, but my back did. <laughs> but uh, uh, so anyway, it's like my emotions, like there was pain impacting my emotions. And so when in life, our emotions are something that God has given us to help us navigate through life. But because of the fall, just like my vision, my emotions can get off kilter and it's, they can be very dangerous for me. And so we have this faulty view that... When we follow God, everything is awesome, you know, like the Lego movie. We kind of think life is that way, and it's not. Um, that, that nothing could be further from the truth. There are sometimes when we're following the Lord that things just blow up, and they don't even make any sense. And so a, a faulty view that we can have uh, that would would be unclear and bring a, a lot of um, just fuzziness to the reality of the situation is that when you surrender fully to the Lord, that things are just peachy and everything is awesome, and, and it's not. And so when we read this uh, text in Acts chapter 14, where we pick up in uh, verse 8, you know, the first seven uh, verses last week, <clears throat> there was some pretty cool stuff that happened, but now we get to where they, they move on and they're, they're, they're run out of that city and they go to a, a neighboring city, Paul and Barnabas do, and they're taking the gospel and it looks like, man, things are about to like just take off and this incredible thing is going to happen. But all of a sudden, like there's really nothing in the story that is, is beyond one experience that happens for one guy that's all that great. And so... Things in life happen that way. You may be following the Lord, and all of a sudden it feels like you're getting all this incredible movement, and then you find yourself going, what in the world is going on? And in those moments, our emotions 
will just start going haywire. And so we see some people that are in this, in this text that are going to be led purely by emotion. And you can't do that. That's a dangerous thing to do. And then we see um, another individual that is not led by emotion, and we see Paul and Barnabas reacting to the whole situation. Lots of ob observations that I'm going to share with you, but we're going to start with just looking at the passage. Let me read it and unpack it for you, and, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It says, in Lystra there sat a, a man crippled in his feet. And, and Luke wants us to know this guy has been lame all his life because he, he repeats, like he says, he's, he's been crippled in his feet, he was lame from birth, and he had never walked. I mean, he couldn't be in, more emphatic. This guy, everybody knew this guy had a problem. And it says that he listened to Paul as um, he was speaking. So some of you right now are even listening to me as I'm speaking, and some of you aren't. But this guy, this crippled guy, who was there, he was listening to Paul. And Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and he called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped and began to walk. So all his life, this guy was crippled. And all of a sudden, Paul is speaking, and the power of the Lord, because the apostles had the gifts of signs during this period of time to authenticate that they were sent from God. They, they could do things that that we can't do, and it's not necessary for us to do any longer because we have the whole Word of God. But at this point in time, we, they didn't have Acts because Luke is writing about these events and giving us and preserving for us what the Lord wanted us to have as the Word. And so they had this miraculous ability, and so he looks and he sees that it's one of those moments, and he is impressed by the Holy Spirit to call out what is happening in this guy's heart, and the crippled is... Um, healed immediately. He's made well, and he's able to stand up to his feet, and he jumps around, and he begins walking, and, and what happens? It says, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Okay, so here's what's going on, man. Paul is speaking to them. He's trying to communicate. And as he's communicating and he sees this crippled man, he feels the Lord coming over him and the, that, the, that the man is in tune with what is being said. The guy gets healed. And all, all of a sudden, the people start shouting when they see this miracle take, a pl take place. But it, Luke tells us they're shouting in, in the Lyconian language, which Paul and Barnabas didn't speak. And so they don't even know what's going on. They think that they, they probably are thinking to themselves, revival is coming to Lystra. Okay? And they're like, man, the Lord is moving. And so the people are all shouting, and, and, but they don't realize they're shouting, the gods have come down to us. And they're calling Paul and Barnabas two Greek gods. And in this city, the, there was a legend that uh, these two gods came down, um, and, and uh, Zeus and Hermes came down, and they showed up and visited the, the city one time, and nobody, like, nobody paid them any homage except this older couple. And so these people were growing up with this, this idea, this religious confusion. And because of that, no one in the, the uh, city being favorable to them, except this one older couple, the entire city was destroyed by a flood, but that couple was preserved, and they were elevated, and they actually became priests, and, and, and they were a, a, a nice big 
a place for them to stay was built, and then later when they died, they became trees. Okay? That's what, that's what the people believed. And so whenever they saw this miracle happen in their sight, then they immediately drew the conclusion that Zeus and Hermes had showed up to visit them again. And so they, wanted, they didn't want to miss it again. And so they are starting to say, the gods have come down to us. The gods have come down to us. And Paul and Barnabas think that, that there's a, at this point, they think there's something good happening. And they begin to get these animals. And the, the, the temple priest, he brings the animals in. And they're going to do a sacrifice right there at the city gates. And then Paul and them, it says, but when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and they rushed out into the crowd shouting, men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. And even with, the, even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. So when they figure out what's actually happening, they, they're like, man, they're broken. Now, a lot of people probably would be like, hey, this is cool, man. They think we're awesome. And they would have let that feed their ego and, and, and made a, a, a disastrous decision. But Paul and Barnabas recognized what was going on. They run out in the crowd, man, and they do everything that they can to stop these guys. And notice how they begin to preach to them and, and speak to them and share the gospel with them. Um, because they normally, if they were sharing with the Jewish people, they would go back to the Old Testament, and they would talk about the Old Testament and how God gave the word to Abraham and, and the promise and through all the patriarchs, and they would come all the way up to the Messiah, that Jesus was the Messiah. Paul doesn't do that here. Why? Because these people have no clue about the Old Testament. These people are Gentiles. These people are, are pagans uh, from even the Jewish religion, and so they don't know anything about any of that stuff. So what does Paul do? He goes to nature. He says, look around, man. God gives us rain. He gives us the crops. The living God of the universe quit following these useless things. So we sort of see a way to um, practice evangelism as we're trying to share our faith. Sometimes it's good to use the word of God when you're trying to interact with a person if they have a base there. If they don't have a base there, you don't start there because they don't believe in the Bible. So you don't say, well, the Bible says. Because they're like, who cares? And that's where these people were at. So he goes to nature, and he's like, look at what nature says. It's revelation by the created order. Paul develops that thought even further in the first couple of chapters of Romans. And it's a, it's a great way for us to make a defense for our faith. And so that's what Paul does. And they, they get them to stop. They're not going to sacrifice. So the, these people are so caught up in their emotions by what they've seen that they are about to sacrifice, then Paul and Barnabas run out there and they stop it. So just imagine what it would be like to be Paul and Barnabas. You go into a city thinking you're going to share the good news with people. You start sharing the good news. You see that this one man is really in tune with you. He's listening to all you say, and you feel the Lord prompting you to call attention to him, and all of a sudden this guy is healed who's been crippled all his life. He's, he's jumping up and praising and, 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 and walking around now completely made well and the people are looking at it they are cheering and you think a revival is breaking out and all of a sudden you figure out they think you are God 
And so now you got to run into the crowd and stop them from making a sacrifice to you. So they stopped them. And we go, whoa, things go from bad to worse. Remember the people back in Antioch and Iconium that were trying to stop them, that sent them out. They're chasing them down, man. Look what it says. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. Like they seized the moment. They saw that things were out of control. And they stoned Paul. And they dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. They pelted him with rocks to the point that they thought that they killed him. And it says, but after that, the disciples had gathered around him, and he got up, and what did he do? This is awesome. He went back into the city. Like That's the kind of faith Paul had. And then the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. And so thinking that like it looks like things are awesome, and all of a sudden, it's spiraling out of control, and the next thing you know, Paul is being pelted with rocks, Almost to the point of death. <laughs> and so then it says that they go to Derby, and then in verse 21, they preach the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. A lot of people came to the faith. Then what did they do after that? They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. So they backtracked when they were initially sent out, where we saw them a few weeks ago. They were commissioned by the church to go on a missionary journey. They went out. They went to all these different cities and saw the Lord move, and disciples were raised up, and then they would be kicked out of the city. Well, they went right back and back the same way they came. And along the way, what did they do? They were strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Now, underline this if you're taking notes and you have your Bible out. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. They said, let that sit with you for a moment. And we think about in terms of, man, when I follow the Lord, everything's great. Here the the word is telling us we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Poseidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From Atalia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. So this took some time for them to make that journey. But then they get back to the church that initially sent them out in Antioch. And it says, on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Okay, So there are a lot of observations that I'm going to share with you um, from this text. I'm going to share them fairly quick. Um, But what, what, what we need to see is that there is clarity in the kingdom, but there's not clarity in the world. Okay? That's why things are so messed up in our world right now, is we're living in a post-Christian era. We used to live in a Christian era where the dominant belief in our country was that Jesus was God. We're not living in that era anymore. And so there's less clarity than there was 50 years ago. And going forward, unless there is a spiritual awakening and a revival, it will be even worse. If you want to see your children follow the Lord... It is not enough any longer to bring them to church. You better be following the Lord. They better have a first up close personal model to look at and go, man, I know what it looks like to follow Jesus. 
Not I know what it looks like to go to church, but I know what it looks like to follow Jesus, to be in love with Jesus, because I believe what is going to happen in our country as we're living in this post-Christian era is that it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. There's going to be less and less clarity because people don't believe, okay? So that's going to make things a lot more difficult for the believer, and the believer needs to understand what they believe and why they believe what they believe, not just that they believe. Because we have, this is again why the scripture, this is the, this is the environment that, that Christian, it's kind of good news. It's kind of frightening a little bit, but it's kind of good news. Because America is like, they just sort of, we've been lulled into sleep as believers. It's been too easy. It's been too easy to be a believer. And so we've gotten too complacent. And so it's a little frightening to, for me to talk about that. But the good news is, is that it is going to give some clarity to who really does know Jesus and who's pretending. Because the fence sitters are going to get off the fence, man. It's not going to be worth it anymore unless they really know the Lord and he's really moving in the midst of their lives. This is why it's so important for you to have a high commitment. Because um, as, as your faith is challenged and you go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, what that does is it refines you and it helps you to be more intimate with the Lord and you can have clarity in your life even though there are many people all around you that have no clarity at all and all they're doing is bickering and fighting and causing division and things just seem like you just you look at things that are being reported and you're like, what is going on? This is what's going on. Um, people are confused because purely when we see um, the, one of the things they're lacking, and let me, let me get into my first observation so we can go home, right? Truth leads to clarity and completeness. That's the first observation I make from the text. Now, why do I say that? What set the cripple apart was one thing, and Luke is very intentional about us seeing this. He was listening. Nobody else was listening. They were just there. But this guy was listening to what Paul was saying. And what was Paul saying? He was speaking truth. And so truth was coming out of Paul's mouth. And as he was listening to that truth, that man was keying in on it and something shifted. And it is the key to being made well. The, the, the word that is used here about this man, and we look at him and he's a cripple and, and we see these healings. I think there's always a spiritual meaning behind these physical healings. I think they're, they're one to help authenticate the message of the gospel, that it is truth coming from God, so that historically we have an account that these guys, what was happening was otherworldly. It wasn't just simply um, a, 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 a something that was being made up. It was something that happened that got, caused them to have momentum. But I think behind that, we could see this is how the gospel works. As people listen, they're spiritually crippled, and as they tune into the truth, then they are made well. Jesus said um, he was referred to often in the gospels as uh, the son of man. What does that mean? That, that, the Greek phrase behind that is all that a man was originally designed to be. Jesus was a picture of that. And what does he come to do? He comes to show us how to live in such a way that we are all that we are originally designed to be. We are made whole. So we are broken, crippled sp spiritually, like we are unable to walk and follow the Lord because we are broken. Everybody. But what happens? Jesus said you must be born again. So spiritually, you become whole again. 
And now, because you are whole, you are able to um, be in, in, you're alive spiritually with the Holy Spirit living in you. So you're able to take your body and begin to lead it through life, being all you were originally designed to be in the eyes of God. As you listen to truth and you follow him. And so truth has the ability to make us well. It says that Paul saw what? His faith. Now I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 11. What is faith? Faith is hoping in what is unseen. Like that's what faith is. So we can't see faith, but yet it says that Paul saw his faith. How did Paul see his faith? Paul was no longer dead spiritually. So now he is walking. This is what he means when he says, I walk by um, faith, not by sight. So spiritually, his eyes were in tune with what was happening in that moment, and he could see that the Lord was moving in this. So he had spiritual vision. He was walking um, by faith, not by physical sight. He saw the Lord moving in this situation. So the, this is like when we, when we think about this, okay, why would we make this observation? Why is this observation important for us as believers? This is what we are looking for. We're looking for people who are listening. We're not looking for everyone. We're not looking to try to get everybody to come in and join the kingdom. Nobody can come into the kingdom unless what? The Father draws him. So we're looking for the person who is listening to the Father drawing them so that we can speak truth into their lives because they're the ones that are going to hear it. And then we help them take and begin the journey um, uh, to what God has called them to. So we're, we're looking for that. Paul saw it, and he reacted to what he saw. He called it out. And when he did, like a miracle happened. Now, notice this. The crowd was confused because they were not listening. So as we live this out, and as we walk out our faith, and as we try to make disciples that make disciples and really do what the New Testament calls us to do, there will be many people who look at us and are confused. Why? Because they aren't listening. And we should not get discouraged in those moments because we see that the Bible is very clear and how the kingdom moves as the church started in the same kind of context that we live in today, then we see that the same thing was happening for them. And so we should expect that there are going to be a lot of people who don't listen. And we shouldn't get frustrated by that, or we will get frustrated by that, but we should not let our frustrations own us and cause us to live like crippled people. We just keep walking because we're not crippled anymore. And we realize people are crippled. Now, does that mean we go around and, and, and we, we, we make up uh, people who are walking in a, a state of spiritual paralysis feel like we're better than them? No. No, we don't at all. We just walk it out and we recognize if this person is a cripple and they're not listening, quit wasting and casting your pearls before swine. That's what Jesus said to quit doing. Why? Because they're not going to listen and you're probably going to do more harm than good. Like If the Lord is not leading you in it and he's not moving, you have no responsibility to share the gospel with somebody who's not willing to listen. But you have all the responsibility of the kingdom to share the gospel with somebody who is listening. And so we can't take, and this is why I think we really get off track, is because there are a lot of people who aren't listening, we just assume that nobody's listening. And that's not true. Like, there are people listening all around us. And it's fun when we find them, but it can be a very difficult thing to um, engage in because 
always it doesn't just work out perfectly. And so the crowd was confused because they were not listening. And that brings us to the second observation. Emotion, when we trust it, always leads to chaos and confusion. If it is off and it, if emotion is not guided by truth, it will always lead us to chaos and confusion. That's why when a young man um, uh, has it bad for a young woman, and they've been dating, and she breaks up with him, and he like is broken on the inside, and he feels like he can't go on, and he keeps telling her, oh, you don't understand how much I love you. Please come back. Please come back. Please come back. She looks at him and like, As you are a loser, bro. I'm not coming back. Why? Because he's being led by emotion. Instead of stopping and going, well, if she doesn't want me, then something is better out there for me, and I will be fine. My health is not dependent upon that person. And if, she, if he begins to react that way and he quits trying to run after her, guess what? She may go, that dude, like, he's he got it together. And she may be compelled to see, and might lose that guy that's got it together. She's never going to feel like she's going to lose a guy who doesn't got it together because she doesn't want that guy. There's your relational tidbit for today. All right. Uh, young guys, man, that's hard to learn. All right. It takes a while. By the time I met Abby, though, I had it figured out. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, so, so the second thing is that emotion leads us to chaos and confusion. They, here's, here's the deal. The crowd, what did they see? They saw what they wanted to see. That's what emotion does. It sees what it wants to see. It doesn't see what really is. And that's why it is so dangerous. And that's why sometimes when our anger gets the best of us, anger is an emotion. And it is a healthy emotion when it's kept in check by truth. But if it is not kept in check by truth, then anger will see what it wants to see. And it will start casting uh, on people and saying, this person has no value whatsoever. However I want to treat them is okay because of what I feel inside. And it must be right. That's chaos. That's confusion because there's no truth in it. When I start applying truth to it and I feel that way because that emotion is going to make me feel that way, especially when somebody is unjust to me, then I want to just like wring their neck. Then truth is going to come in and I'm going to be reminded as I allow the truth to come in and I listen to it is that I'm to love even my enemies and pray for them. And so now I'm no longer thinking about wringing their neck. I'm thinking about wringing my own neck because my flesh is trying to rule my spirit. And the spirit is supposed to be in charge because I belong to Jesus and no longer walk by sight. I walk by faith. See how it works? And so like with emotions always lead to chaos. And here's the problem is that they saw what they wanted to see. And I'm reminded of when Jesus told some other people, the Pharisees, thinking they saw everything, they saw nothing. When, in, when emotion is in control, you can't see anything. You can't see anything clearly for what it really is. And so what do they do? <laughs> they proclaim two human beings as gods. That's how off-kilter emotion can get you. The crowd, now why is that the case? Why was the crowd so confused? Simple. They didn't listen. It led to chaos. The cripple heard, and it led to clarity. What's the point? What's the takeaway from these first two observations? We need to be people who listen. I'm reminded of John chapter 10, which you hear me quote all the time. My sheep hear my voice. They what? Listen and follow. That's the difference. 
And so we always got to be in tune with the Spirit. That's why we're always pressing and leaning in and trying to teach you that, man, you have to have some time where you're sitting in the Word of God so that you're becoming in tune and intimate with the Holy Spirit so that you can hear His voice as He impresses the truth of the Word into your life and you're able to follow Him in obedience with what He's asked you to do. Here's the third observation. There's always a voice that will cater to the crowd. In your life, even though the Holy Spirit is always speaking, there's always a voice that will cater to the crowd. First, we see the pagan priest brought sacrifices, and he was thinking to myself, I'm not going to miss this. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. All the people think they're gods. I don't know if they're gods or not. I don't know exactly what he was thinking, but it seems to be that he kind of found out after the fact, and he ran back to the temple, got some bulls, and, and brought them back, and he's ready to do a sacrifice and capitalize on the moment. Then the opposition sees the chaos and they catered to the crowd because the people, the Jews from Antioch came and they saw that it looked like Paul and them thought they were going to get some movement and they'd stepped in and they swayed the crowd and they had them stone Paul. Okay, and so there's always somebody, there's always a voice in the crowd um, that there was, there's always a voice that will cater to the crowd mentality of what's going on. And so what, what, is, what do we learn from that? The enemy uses emotion to trip us up all the time. All the time he's using emotion to get us to stumble and fall. And so sometimes we will feel, we will feel because we hear voices in the crowd saying, well, I don't know if that's what you should do or not. So we, what I want you to hear is that if the Lord is calling you to be obedient in something, there will always be a voice that is telling you, don't do that. Like when we lean into you and say, man, my discipleship is what Jesus has called us to do. Like, we say, man, we, we got it. Like this is, this is the plan that Jesus had for the church. It's clear. There's no argument against that. There's no way on the face of the planet that you can argue that Jesus didn't say, go ye thereforth and make disciples of all nations. That's the gospel call. There will always be voices, both spiritual and physical, that are leaning in and telling you, that's not how to do it. Well, I'm reminded of what Jesus said, and I think he gets to call the shots. Why? Because he's the king of the kingdom. And so for us to live as citizens of the kingdom who are responsible, we're listening to the king, and we're following through in obedience with what he's asked us to do. That's just the bottom line. It's, we, it, we can complicate it if we want, but it's, it's clearly pretty simple from the call that he has made upon the church. And so I, we need to be reminded there's always a voice that will cater to crowd mentality, and we have to make sure that we are not listening to that voice. We're listening to the voice of truth, which is always going to line up with what the Word of God says, not what our emotions say. All right? Here's the fourth or third object. I don't know where it's at. We're getting there, though, right? <laughs> Hardship is the doorway of deliverance. That's the, that's the next thing I see. He says we must enter the kingdom through hardship. What is hardship in this case? I, I think what Paul is doing as he's reporting to these disciples as they're backtracking and looking at all their experiences, which were new for them, is they were drawing the conclusion that we have to resist the crowd mentality because being a part of the kingdom is going to bring its own hardships because the crowd doesn't want to go that way. That's, that's what he's saying here about the hardship thing. Kingdom people... And this is, this is where I, I'm, I see the Lord showing me this. It's kingdom people don't live by emotion. They live by truth, and that is hard because the crowd doesn't. 
The crowd lives by their own truth. That's why right now the dogma of the day, of the day is moral relativism. You want to see how this plays out? You see that like people can't even tell whether they're male or female right now. You see what I'm saying? Like they can't tell. When clearly all it does is to bend your head down and you can figure it out. The, the, the culture is confused. And so people, and, and you could look at this in so many different ways, man. And what is the thing? Well, it is all about how I choose to identify one way or the other. It's always about something like that. And so people are confused. Now, is it our job to hate on those people? No. Like we are called to love everyone. Everyone. Our job is to live with clarity in our lives so that people can look at us and just as we look to Jesus and he serves as a mirror for us, we live out obedience in Jesus and we serve as a mirror of Christ for them physically on the planet. That's why we're called the body of Christ. And so we're not to be getting in a war with them but that is led by emotion. We are to be living lives of surrender and obedience that are marked by truth and people will be able to see the clarity in our lives and they will know something is missing from their own. That's what we're called to do. And unfortunately, we are so confused, um, as a, as a, and I'm speaking just like as the church in general, the church has gotten so confused that I think we sometimes are being led by emotion. And we need, to, we need to speak truth, but we need to always be sure and certain that our truth um, or that our emotions are kept in check by that truth. And we don't even allow that truth to let us get off rail in our emotion and, and enter a war. And so he says, 